something's not quite right at Inspire Pro. And we're back with another episode of Inspire Pro AD. My name is Maximilian Meehan, one half of Inspire Pro's ownership. And uh, I am here with my office boy, <laughs> Justin Bissonnette. I'm kidding. He's, he's another owner, another guy responsible for the years and years of spectacular entertainment that we've brought you. Hey, when it comes to coffee boys, I'm a damn good one, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is uh this is about to get interesting. Yeah. So let's let's start with a trip that I take to Houston with one Chris True. So Tony Brooklyn reaches out to me and he says, Hey, I need somebody to wrestle Barbie. Do you have any ideas? And I'm thinking that Barbie is a babyface in Houston because she's always been a babyface. Last time I was there, she was a babyface. So I said, well, you know, I've got this person. No, I don't want to use them. Well, what about this person? Well, I don't think they're ready. Well, we have Doom and I can bring True and then he can heat up Doom because she's kind of a bubbly, bubbly character. So I can bring True and we can get some heat on her. Okay, cool. Do that. All right. So... This is a chance for True to, to work in a different town than he's worked in. And uh, it gets Doom a chance to work a full match with Barbie. So I think that's a good idea. So we show up and I have a manager for Doom. Well, Barbie has just turned heel the previous show. So Chris True, who has never done anything but be a heel manager, is going to be a babyface manager for Delilah Doom. And that will tie in later on in the show. The important thing happens is that Tony Brooklyn pulls me into the office and tells me, this, they're going to push me out of the NWA. Right? So my main connection to the NWA is gone. So this becomes official a few weeks after, and I reach out to um, Bruce Thorpe, who is now the sole owner of the NWA, and I go, hey, man. This is the agreement. Is it still in play? Of course it is, brother. We wouldn't have it any other way. We we need you to help us with this women's belt. Okay. Cool, man. Every, everything's still on the table. We are good. So, <laughs> shortly before this show, where we have booked a NWA women's title match between Leva Bates, who has just recently gone on NXT TV and done the blue pants thing and is over like gangbusters. We have her coming in to wrestle Barbie Hayden for the NWA world title. And I believe it's a week before our show. I am at some shitty redneck bar in Round Rock on a date. Freeze. First of all, I do want to emphasize that <clears throat> we were aware that Barbie was defending the title at other places. And I believe that you always did your due diligence to ask. You'd call up Bruce Tharp and go, yeah. hey, everything's still cool, right? There's nothing I need to know. Yep. And Bruce would always go with his fucking <laughs> creepy Mr. Ed teeth. Oh, no, Bruce. <laughs> everything's cool. Yeah. He would do shit like that, right? Yeah. So, you know, we leading into this story, we very much still had... The idea that things were moving along as they should and that we had control and that we would at least be respected yeah. enough to be told what was going to happen. Yeah, I didn't I didn't trust Bruce, but 
at the same time. You have to take somebody. Yeah. Work. What else? It's not the it's not the situation I wanted to be in because I trusted Tony, but it's where I am. So anyway, I'm out on a date in a shitty bar I don't want to be in, and I get I believe it was Stroud fucking hits me up and goes, "Barbie just fucking lost the NWA title." I'm like, "What the fuck?" We're a week out promoting. We're a week out promoting match. a show. So I hit Bruce up and I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I forgot to tell you, brother. Larry Zabisco told me it would be a great idea to put the belt on Santana Garrett. So we, we had to just pull the trigger. I didn't have much time. Well, you had you had at least you could have given me a call. Um, so I'm going back and forth with, with Bruce Thorpe. He knows that he's fucked me here and he's very upset or he's backpedaling. And he goes, well, I'll fly you out to Cauliflower Hour. I'll even make up for it, brother. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> Number one, at this point, there's three of us involved because Josh is still with the company. There's three of us in the ownership group. So where's fucking Max and Josh's fucking flight to Las Vegas? Number two, at this point, I have no interest in going to Cauliflower Alley. Um, and here's the, here's the fun part. <laughs> so... Chanson Reigns, or however the fuck you pronounce that dumb pedophile's name, and I can call him a dumb pedophile because he he's, a dumb pedophile. he's convicted, Yeah, was at this time running the Larry Zabisco School of Wrestling in Florida. And he was also Santana Garrett's boyfriend. Boyfriend. And running Larry Zabisco's fucking social media. So who the fuck do you think messaged Bruce Thorpe? You don't think that Larry Zabisco called him on the phone, right? No. Probably shot a fucking Facebook message. Hey, brother, this is Larry. You should really look at this Santana Garrett. And they bit it hook, line, and fucking sinker. So after investing in Portia Perez, Mia Yim, Athena, Veda Scott, and now Leva Bates, who is on the mind and tongue of every wrestling fan. She is blue pants. At She's point. blue pants, and it's a fucking blue pants mania. And I've got... This is... Weeks after the fucking thing was on TV. Um, now we just have Leva versus Barbie. No title. So they're going to fly Santana, Santana Garrett out, but then that's added cost to my fucking show. I have to pay Santana Garrett, who I'm not particularly high on. Anyway. I'm not a fan yeah. either. Let so, me know when I can jump in. Yeah. Boy, there's a bunch of shit that I need to address so, that you're forgetting. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you jump in. Okay. So... So here's the deal. I'm on a date dealing with this shit. And trust me, there was no fucking follow up. You know, she was not impressed with my fucking NWA dealings. So go ahead, man. What did I miss? So I think at this point I was starting to feel mitigated in my value to the NWA. At this point, they were trying to put together a weekly show for... uh, for Spike TV. Oh, that's right. And so they had began to aggregate footage from all of their other chintzy affiliates that had hosted matches. And of course, we had we had you know filmed a bunch of really good stuff with Barbie. And rather than actually coming to us and and, and asking us, hey, can we can we take your footage uh, and do something with it? They basically went and ripped something off of YouTube that was horribly compressed and looked awful and threw it in front of Spike. Now, typically, if they had gone, hey, can we use this match with Barbie defending the title? I would have said, absolutely, man. Let me get you 
high definition, good quality footage for you to put in front of those people. But no, they didn't ask, they simply took. You might even want to use the verbiage stole. And that was one of the first things that pissed me off. Now, as you may recall, as Biz told you, yeah, they were supposed to run title changes in front of us. And, and here's an interesting thing. This is, this, I can't remember exactly where this happened and the, uh, the fiasco of all this stuff. Yeah, dude. So we just spent all this money polishing up this women's title, and the first thing that happens uh, once the title changes hands is it's you know, over Santana's shoulder or in the arms of her pedophile boyfriend. Like, you've got a convicted pedophile holding what is supposed to be a prestigious women's title all over social media. Immediately, the tarnish just went right back on it. Now, there was talk about hot-shotting the belt back on to Barbie at some point, yeah. and that didn't happen. What happened was actually pretty fucking dodgy, and I'm just going to call it dodgy, because it was dodgy. And I think it was actually supposed to happen at Cauliflower, where they were supposed to have a match between Barbie and Santana, but travel got funny, and Barbie arrived, and then Santana had left, and so the match never happened, and so the belt wound up staying on Santana forever. So everything they said was just bullshit right up front. The one other thing that I gotta mention is that there was supposed to be a pretty prestigious guest at Cauliflower Alley that year. None other than Jushin Thunder uh, Liger. Yes. Okay. And you may recall that one of the things that we were promised when we were set when we were told, like, oh, we really want you to join <laughs> and we want to give you this, 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 and this, and this. And yep. That the the fucking cornucopia on the table looked pretty sweet. Was they said that we would be permitted to host a match with Jushin Thunder Liger. Now, at this point, it's stressful running a company, and I think there's something that this might have forgotten about. We were indeed planning on running another event that occurred around this same time, and the match that was at the center of it was going to be Jushin Thunder Liger versus ACH, and it was going to happen at Austin Music Hall, and it was going to be sponsored by the Japanese Heritage Society of Austin. These were all things that I had worked very hard to set up. But then something happened. Thunder Liger couldn't make it. And this is where I start to really not like a guy by the name of <laughs> Matt Riviera. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. See, I wasn't bullshitting. I yeah, remember, you got lots. Yeah. I remember a lot yeah. of shit. That's why you don't want to piss me off, because I'll remember every goddamn podunky shit thing you ever did to me. Okay, so anyway, Liger isn't able to make it, but somehow Matt still manages to scare... Liger up, he pays for it out of his own pocket, Liger's brought in and he works something, I don't remember what match, I think it was something outside of Cauliflower, but we actually talked to Matt and said we would really like it if we could put in and invest and actually bring him to the event that we're doing, stateside and just kind of like co-host it with you since you know we're NWA, this was promised to us we'd really like to run this event uh, and you know we're willing to invest and Matt Riviera gives us the old fingeroo. He tells us, nope, sorry, not interested. <laughs> and so not only were we fucked out of the dignity of presenting our footage to network people in a uh, higher quality, not only were uh, we fucked over in terms of controlling the NWO women's belt, which is something that, that we invested in, we did invest in it and, and all that. 
And not only did we have the Liger match yanked off the table, something else occurred shortly after this, and I'm just going to go into it now. But at Branded Outlaw Wrestling, an NWA affiliate, somebody makes the announcement, Hey, Branded Outlaw Wrestling, an NWA wrestling company. NWA is finally coming to Austin, brother! <laughs> and they basically just poo-poo us by not even mentioning that there is a fucking NWA <laughs> affiliate in fucking Austin. What is... And, and, you know, people are always, like, throwing this, like, old, like, fucking, like, musty, dusty, like, rule book at me and saying, you don't do this and you don't do that and this isn't proper and that's not proper. What is the point of joining an affiliate and being the affiliate of that specific region or city if you're just going to bring in another affiliate to run against us or just be in our area and furthermore not even like involve us in any fucking capacity so i think when that happened this was just like yep i guess we're done to bruce and i remember bruce's bullshit call with Biss being <laughs> really fucking insulting like yeah. i wanted to kick his fucking teeth in i was so fucking mad yeah I was worried about Lawyer Daka, honestly. But at the time... So, this is where the wedge between us and Jax is driven, too. Because there is a... There is a NWA-only owners group on Facebook just to communicate. And I basically say my goodbye. And I think I started... I started with... Well, the writing's on the wall because BOW's coming to Austin. So, clearly, we're not renewing with NWA. And... <laughs> So, and then the cabal comes out <laughs> because yeah. Well, the deal I sort of know what I'm doing because the little podunk town NWA people in there, the top of the crop is working these guys. So, if it's truly a group of promoters that are all on the same page, it shouldn't matter what I say because you know they get the idea. Yeah, the cabal comes out. The guy that runs the page is like, oh, if you're saying you're leaving, I need to kick you out. That's my job. Like, yeah. And, no problem, buddy. I'll, I'll remove myself. You can fuck off. Um, so earlier, there was a bunch of weird shit that just was not cool after Tony had left. So Smash Mouth Wrestling in Dallas had uh, paid for a membership. But then all of a sudden, IWHE or whatever the fuck Fuller's company was, was all of a sudden hosting... Uh, NWA matches, stuff because yeah. he's cool with Matt Riviera and just weird stuff like this. They had kicked main event out because main event had asked questions about the bookkeeping. Just a lot of weird shady shit. So I was more than happy to be kicked out by the NWA before our fucking time came up because at the heart of things, I'm an ECW fan and it just felt right to be kicked out. Yeah, I was, I was fine with it. I was pissed. I'm no fucking mark for those letters because it's not like I... I'm not saying, yo, fuck Harley Race. I'm saying, yo, fuck you, lawyer boy. Yeah. And all your fucking stupid excursions to other fucking countries and, like, you know... Hey, fuck it. Let's go into that. Okay, yeah. So that was a big it. issue, too, because the fees were being used for Bruce to go to Japan and then to go to... Was it Singapore? Yeah. And quote-unquote scout talent where what was actually happening was he was trying to sleep with a singapore model who apparently uh rebuffed him at every fucking turn so yeah all of our fucking fees went to bruce trying to get laid in in asia 
um, like some sort of fucking sex tourist and uh, apparently didn't even really happen because he's such a fucking putz Uh, all the time being married and being a fucking like family lawyer in the valley Um, just shitty shitty stuff man just we didn't we didn't care to be a part of that company after that point we've been lied to we've been misled and we invested and we've done quite a bit of work considerably to help elevate a brand that quite frankly meant jack shit in austin texas and and just to cover because he is a piece of shit lawyer allegedly oh but uh that's just because i never saw the fucking receipts brother but allegedly okay whatever I don't need served papers, brother. Yeah, me neither. All right. So we got that bullshit to deal with (laughs) a week out. So now we're going into undeniable. And because, you know, climate change and whatnot, there's a huge fucking blizzard in the Northeast. So some of the names that we're bringing in for the show are evil. um, Wananabe, who is from Buffalo, which is as far fucking Northeast as you can get. Um, Mr. Touchdown, who's coming in from New Jersey, uh, right? Yeah. And we have Leva, who's coming in from Florida, so we're okay there. And then we have uh, Vanessa Craven coming in from Canada. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, and luckily, she comes in like almost a week early just to make sure that, that everything works out there. So we're freaking out over travel going into this show. Um it's a big one. I get Wananami's flight gets canceled the night before. I have to get a hold of him um, through Toshio, who's a good friend of ours, a Japanese teacher, to explain to him that the flight's been canceled. He thinks that we're, we're canceling him, and I have to explain, no, your flight's been canceled. He's driving from... He's not in Buffalo. He's, like, out in the suburbs, so he has to make quite a drive to get to the airport to fly out. Um, so I don't want him driving in a blizzard and then exactly. he shows up and his flight's not there. So we're navigating that the night before it, we just, we a lot of curveballs. We're, we're back on the curveball train here, so. which is, which is fine. Cause yeah. I think we do excellent work when we're greeted with challenges, but you know, it was very disappointing to promote and spend money promoting this Barbie Hayden title defense only to have that taken away from us. Yeah. Um, Craven, was someone we couldn't actually advertise until I think like the 11th oh, yeah. hour because she, she had to get w- within the country due yeah. to, to flight stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't really allowed to press, press things forward. I think that was another reason why she showed, she showed up early. She was working other shows, but once she was in the U S we could go gung ho and talk yeah. about her, but we couldn't really do anything until she was in the country because they may have barred her from trying to enter. Yeah. And it's, if, yeah. it's happened to other, you know, competitors from Canada. Absolutely. I'm sure, you know, a few. Yeah. So, so uh, anyway, let's let's uh, dive into the card. Yep. So, because we have this gigantic blizzard, we're ready to start off with Steve Reno versus Mr. Touchdown, who's connected to Dasher Hatfield. Um, but Mr. Ta- Touchdown's travel has been delayed, so he's not there at the start of the show. So we decide to flip things. Yeah, we we flip things, and oh, here's here's another. You know, visitor Nicole Savoy is in town with with VIP wrestling, so we're able to work out a deal there, and we're able to put on Athena versus Nicole Savoy, which for us is a, a great matchup. To great opener, yeah, it's a barn burner opener. And man, I remember you know being really blown away by Nicole. Yeah, uh, I was I was not anticipating 
that caliber of matchup, but they went out and they leveled the place <laughs> and made it very difficult for anybody that followed. Uh, Athena was, uh, I keep saying this, but she's a fucking star at this point. Yeah. Um, but let's dive into a little bit of that, right? Yeah. Like, she could have been somebody we could have saddled the entire women's division on at this point. Um, now, you guys are going to see in a couple of shows of where we, we go. But basically, to me, there were three choices, right? It was either a division built around Athena, Barbie, or Jessica James. So, Athena was already built, though. Yeah. She was already a star. Like like we mentioned last show, she could have gone after our men's belt or our main belt, and there would have been no questions asked. No. Like, she was at that level. Uh, Barbie was tied very heavily with the NWA and a lot of those companies. Uh, Jessica was somebody that we could build around that would be, you know, our star. She was a darling. So that was sort of... The, she, was dar- the, she was a darling who yeah. could really go. And that was sort of where the buzzsaw and, and the push that you're going to see and, and all that stuff came from. Yeah. So Athena picks up the victory over Nicole Savoy. Phenomenal match. Yeah. And after that, we see a promo with Gigolo James Johnson, Chris True, and the rest of the new movement. Um, for, for this, it's just Doom. Uh, and the debut of somebody that will come, become very important in our company, uh, Roxy Castillo debuts as the um, secretary to the new movement and the person who is going to finish performance reviews for the new movement. We're going to... Even the name Roxy Castillo just makes me smile. Yeah. So... New Movement is on a losing streak here. Uh, so, true in, uh, you know, the businessman style manager that he is, has already said, hey, Keith Lee's got a multi-year contract. We're going to keep him for sure. The ones I'm asking questions about are Gigolo and Doom. And he kind of comes out and, and levels with Jigs and is like, what what needs to change? And this is a cool moment for us to kind of um, put a lot of layers on a lot of these characters. Yeah, this was a great promo, actually. So, Gigolo basically lays it out and says, hey, I don't want to cheat because all of us are winners and we're good enough to win without cheating. And True, we're in a very real reaction, goes... Hey, I just want to do whatever it takes to win. So if that's what we're all going to do and we're all going to get on the same page for, I'll do it. Right. And it's kind of the start of this pseudo face turn for an entire faction, which is a really cool moment. Because it's a it's a moment of debate, but it's rational and it's logical. And uh, people really bit. People liked yeah. it. People loved it. And also Roxy, man. Whew. Roxy, I think she was a big part. I was skeptical initially yeah. um, about the idea of Roxy, but once you see her in that ring or performing, yeah. it's just, it's over. You know you, you that, can, girl, that girl's a star. You can tell from the first appearance there's something there. Yeah. Um, so we go into the last qualifying match for the XXD belt, and it, it's actually a three-way Surprise, surprise. So we have Doom. Uh, here's another travel. Uh, Angela Slane has returned to make up for the injury. Um, and Paige Turner. So uh, Doom picks up the win, and this is the start of the beef between Doom and Angela Slane, mm-hmm. which is uh, will go and become a big part of this chapter of our history. Yes, sir. Yep. 
So from that, we go into Barrett Brown with Moonshine and Carson taking on a mystery opponent. And as fortunes in wrestling will will have, Alex Reigns has returned the territory. (laughs) So Alex Reigns takes umbrage with being replaced and comes in and beats Barrett Brown. Fun story. Yeah. Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna be a overarching story for for this chapter. That you know, good mid card story. That yeah, the, the the story really is that like uh, you know, Alex left. We we were all under the impression that he was not coming back. Yeah, and so we put Barrett Brown in his spot in uh, the world class syndicate. And the storyline here is that Alex is coming back offended that he's been replaced by someone that he deems to be unproven and unworthy. And so he goes after Barrett. And that is basically like him being quality control and making sure that the legacy of his spot is protected and that he's not just going to accept anybody replacing him. So finally we have our Steve Reno versus Mr. Touchdown match. Um, so Steve Reno picks up the win. There's a big handshake afterwards. So... Steve-O is, is slowly being and winning over the respect of the Chicago throwbacks. Crew, yeah. yeah. So, leading into this, before Watanabe was caught up in that blizzard and, and uh, you know, sidelined, on paper we had ACH versus Watanabe. And at this point, Albert is known to the New Japan crowd, right? Yes. Okay, he's 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 been traveling at this point. Uh and we know we're going to get something special out of ACH and, and Watanabe, but when Watanabe suddenly can't make it, we've got to make up the bang for that match by doing something unprecedented and just different. Um, and so we decide that we're going to lean on Lance Hoyt, who, uh, you know, he, he agrees to, to kind of step in. And of course... The, the, the deal is that we also decide to add Ricky Starks in to make this a little bit sexier. Do a three-way between these three phenomenal talents. And, of course, at this point, everybody's aware that Albert and Ricky really have uh, a, a, a friendship here. So there's something there. Plus there's Lance, who is the big monster here as well. And it gives Lance something bigger to overcome as well. That's another thing, is that if he's not going to go over, Lance has kind of has kind of lost so many times that when he doesn't win, it has to be against really insurmountable odds. Yes. So logically that was why it made sense to add another wrinkle to this. And so we have Ricky basically coming out and saying, you know, I want to be the, I want to be in this contendership to the inspire pro title match. And, uh, the only thing was ironing out the wrinkles so that it made sense. And this is where something kind of unique occurs. This is, uh, there are several pitches volleyed back and forth in terms of how it's going to happen. And uh, I am, of course, in the middle of this, and Lance makes a pitch, and I say something to the the effect of, now that doesn't make sense, we should do something else, like we have to find a happy medium. I'm not just settling to do the most direct or laziest thing or the thing that doesn't make sense just to get there, because that's just the way I am. And I say, yeah, I, w- I, don't, I don't like that idea. Let's try this. And so Lance continues to think. And I'm thinking. And this becomes very important because in retrospect, I remember seeing Albert's face just kind of 
drop as we were discussing this. But we eventually get to a good concession. We come to we come to a compromise, and the creative idea that Lance and myself come up with really kicks ass. And this match is great. The setup makes sense. No one comes out looking weak. It puts Ricky over in a way without him going over. Uh, and of course, it sets up Albert uh, as the number one contender to the Inspire Pro title. Is there anything you want to say about this? No, uh, yeah, and it it also sets up a, a rematch with Starks and and Hoyt, which is great. Uh, the 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 weird thing in hindsight, because of how much he disliked the man later on, or probably at this point too, if we're going to be honest, is that it's set up by Hoyt bullying Brandon Stroud and Starks uh, coming to Brandon's aid for you know irony, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which you know, <laughs> no one, no one liked Brandon at yeah. this point. So yeah. the idea so, that anybody would come out and help him is kind of fucking yeah. hilarious. And, but but there there were also moments where no one really did come out and interfere in this stuff. I gotta say that this is also starting to plant seeds for something that we wanted to do creatively with Stroud and Hoyt, but that Brandon really <laughs> yeah. pumped the brakes on. Yeah. Anyway, continuing. So, so yeah, ACH wins the uh, wins the match, and he is now the number one contender for the Inspire Pro Championship. But anyway, the um, the agenting and the discussion of this match and how we were going to go about tackling this very late-moment change, uh, this discussion leads to something that occurs later on in the night that we'll go into, and it really kind of colors my relationship with uh, one of these individuals. Yeah. So from that, we go into the Leva and Barbie match. Um, Alfie, again, is the referee. This is a count out. Um, the work was fine that was in the ring. I didn't particularly like the finish. I think this was a a, a finish that we came up with to appease people. And uh, it just it didn't come off well. The referee, the way that you have to count a 20 count versus a 10 count is very different. If you count a 20 count like American ref would count a 10 count, it becomes just stupid. I don't know another word for it. And Alfie's out there doing the one. Come on, guys, get in the ring. Two on a 20 count. And, I mean, you're sitting there 30 fucking seconds. 30 fucking, you know, because every count there's something in between. And that count out just becomes ridiculous at that point. So, there's this weird start and stop. And, and you know, they call it a count out. And the, the crowd shits on the finish. And deservedly show. It's not a great finish. But Barbie gets the, the win over Leva via count out. Um, and we'll touch on that on the next show because it's one of these moments where something that went wrong, we find a way to kind of at least address on the next show. Yeah. Um, the match after that, and this is an important moment in our history, believe it or not, is Mr. B defeating Jojo Bravo. He is defending the, uh, the he is the, he is the renegade <laughs> Inspire Pro champion, I think, at this point. The, the pure prestige champion. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and of course JoJo is starting to show his heel leanings here at this point. Um, he's showing frustration over spinning his wheels, not getting opportunities that he thinks he deserves, uh, being angry about certain people being in certain spots, and him being where he is. And of course, this in this match, he's starting to just kind of let his arrogance overtake him, and it costs him things in the process. Now, this is the show where something really pivotal occurred. And honestly, I think it was a little blown out of proportion at the time. But yeah. 
to the advantage of the storyline. Yeah. So the other point here is this is a, a chance for us to, t- we were caught off guard when B got a positive reaction and Shire got a negative reaction. This gave us a chance to use it as a storyline device for Jojo, basically Jojo's turn. Yeah. So after this match, B wins and Jojo cuts this, this great promo. That's borderline. It's borderline a, a shoot promo where he basically says, Hey, I, I come out here and kill myself and you can, it doesn't matter. You guys are just going to cheer for the, the, the hottest thing of the month. Um, and basically shows his frustration. Um, leaves and as he's walking down the ramp, sh- shoots on Brandon too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shoots on Brandon as he's walking down the ramp, a young fan reaches his hand out for a high five and Jojo kicks the hand of the child. Yes. So later on, Jojo would say, Oh no, I just pushed his hand away with my foot. No, he kicked the fucking kid. <laughs> he kicked the kid's hand. Josh Montgomery is right there in front of it. So I'm sure he had to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so this kid is part of a, a family of, of four that show up to like every show at this point. Um, we so, even reserve their seats, even though, yes. you know, just because they are so yeah. tried, true and loyal. Mama bear is not happy. No. So she comes and talks to talks to me, and I'm like, I I didn't see it. I don't know where I was. I have to look at the tape, and, and we'll address it somehow. So I think I think we gave them like half off for the next show or something. No, like I that. think we comped did. Them. We just comped them. I think them? we yeah. just comped them, and I yeah. think we really like uh, like poured it on, and you know, yeah. we appreciated the fact that they were so loyal. Yeah, we loved their children because they were so vocal. They were standout fans at that point, yeah. and so when this thing occurred, I was. <laughs> Partially, I saw it happen and I laughed. Yeah, but it didn't look like he injured the child. No, kind of looked like yeah. he kind of like slapped his hand with yeah. his with the tip of his toes. You yeah. know. So does this? Steve-O sticks stands up and like, hey, what the hell is this? Because I mean, that was the catalyst. Was this like him goofing off Steve heel promo, right? So they shove each other and off goes JoJo into the back. Um, so I mean, for all intents and purposes, JoJo has turned at this point. Yeah. So you can't come back from yeah. kicking a child. <laughs> no, still has not come back. Yeah. Still gets reminded the, of it to this day. I think question we get questions about that moment <laughs> uh, from people who write in on uh, to the show. So we go into, I mean, so we talk about Jake Dearden and James Claxton um, being a match right up my alley. So this right here, this match right here is straight into like the bis fandom of like combat Toyota versus Megumi to- uh, Kodo and Megumi Toyota versus Asia Kong and those type of matches. So that is exactly what I wanted out of this. So this laid the groundwork for what became well, my favorite women's match for, for a long time. Uh, we had Craven, we had Jessica, and Jessica was just basically beating everybody. So we were at a point where it was just expected Jessica was going to win. Um, Do we make the audible after meeting Craven to put Jessica over here, or no, did we go honestly, with it to begin with? I know I remember actually pitching this uh, beforehand. Yeah, the idea was to continually work with Craven. Yep, uh, and. I pitched this as mirroring the Mike Dell and Ray Rowe and, yeah. uh, scenario where 
Roe beat Dell before he won the title and then eventually got uh, another title shot and Mike was supposed to go over. We never we never actually fully realized this arc and so I saw an opportunity in this to kind of redo that storyline that we didn't get to do because Ray got hurt. Yeah. So that's where that's where the idea of Craven going over came from. Um I also just got to say I love Craven to death. Yeah. I think I I she is just a cool person. Uh she's recently retired. I hope it doesn't stay that way. Um, but I really enjoyed working with her. She was just a cool yeah. person to yeah, be around. Th- this was so we ended. This was a deal where we we hosted her. Um, so I think I may have taken a day off of work, even. Yeah. Because we ended up going downtown. We did uh, like the Museum of Weird, just all sorts of stuff. I know she went to uh, San Antonio for a day, so she really turned this into like. Uh, a way to see Texas, which yeah. was pretty cool. Um, and she's from Canada. It's fucking February. Oh. <laughs> she was very excited. Even, you know, and for people that aren't from Texas listening, you know, even in, in February, it's starting, it's just starting to get yeah. cold here. So in January, you get some pretty temperate days, yeah. you know? So it was, you know. Yeah, it, gets, it gets chilly. It's like 66 out, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. nothing. Right? So, <laughs> um, but this this allowed me to tap into some of my Josie fandom stuff and and really tie in a lot of that stuff. So yeah. I was really excited. Then she was a super cool person. So we have uh, Craven uh, defeating Jessica James. It's a great match. Put some doubt in Jessica's mind going right into her title match, which is coming up. So um, a lot a lot of good stuff and a lot of good stuff to play with and kind of gives us some stuff to work with on on the women's side. Yeah. So we go into the main event, which is absolutely bonkers. And we set we set this up in the last show, of yep. course, where Tim Storm uh, joined Dalton and Vega, replacing Jordan Jensen as the third, and what I had hoped to eventually become a trio trio stable yeah. uh, with Franco D'Angelo, Matthew Palmer, and Ray Rowe as a beast of a team. And yeah, I remember this being pandemonium. Yeah, and Dal- Dalton Storm and Vega had chemistry right off the back too. And yeah, they just go out there and it's, it's, it's like, you know, peak raw air, you know, three big babies and three big heels going at it and just everybody being over and, and it's Ray's first match back. It's important that we, you know, we have, it's not a singles match, so it's not all on Ray, but Ray doesn't hold back here at all. No, not he's at all. clearly he, back. He, he, and he, you can tell he's chomping yeah. to do stuff. It's. So the we, energy level is just off the charts, yeah. and it is just one of those matches where I think I said "Holy shit!" like a bunch of times while I'm standing and off to the side, just watching the crowd erupt. Yeah, we get cool shit with uh, with Roe and Ve- uh, Vega. Yeah, we get cool shit with Tim Storm and Roe. We get cool shit with Tim Storm and Franco. Just really fun match, and we get Palmer and Dalton interacting again, which is going to build up to. Dalton versus Palmer again with uh with a little bit higher stakes. So yeah. a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, and of course at this point, you know I'm I'm seeing a lot of value in Vega and Tim. And uh just watching their, their chemistry here, it's so great because when you look at Vega and 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 Andy and Tim, they're all very different peas in a pod. And I think that's why that team worked. Um there was a lot of humor to them, and uh, man, this was just this was just a lot of fun. 
a fun match. And overall, lots of curveballs on this show. Um, but it but it was a fun show. However, yep, uh, <laughs> the biggest battle <laughs> was yet to come. <laughs> so. Uh, there used to be a, a hall at Marquesa that was an empty room, and it was where we used to keep uh, uh, all the photography stuff. We had a guy by the name of Joel Loeschman who used to do all our photography, and, and it really elevated our our image, our quality, to just an upper echelon. I, I always loved having Joel around. Uh, we did not part on the best of terms. Uh, but I, I cannot take anything away from his business acumen. He was skilled. He was very skilled as an artist. And, uh, so after the show ends, people are, you know, buying merch, the bar is busy. Uh, a lot of people would use the photography room to just hang out in and have drinks wrestlers specifically, I mean, and get, you know, film promos for the supplementary stuff, take photographs, stuff like that. And I'm back there, and uh, Albert is there with Ricky, and they're drinking these weird blue drinks. I don't know what they were, but Albert, uh, Albert's been drinking, and I don't. He says he needs to talk to me, and he says up front, I think it is shameful and unfortunate that you have a modicum of control, power, or influence over Texas indie wrestling. And he proceeds to tear into me about uh, the Papa Domino gimmick, which you may remember I pitched to uh, Yule, Yule Hubbard, who is Killa Cash, which was where I had pitched that I wanted to do this tough-as-nails pizza delivery guy and really get Yule over as a face. Um, some people, chiefly, I think it was Thomas Munoz, had uttered to Albert that I said that I didn't want to put a guy in the ring that had a, a physique that was as bad as mine. That is not what I said, but that is what Albert wanted to believe was said. Uh, but you know, you got to consider the source on these things. Um, but I did say that I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get Yule out of his bikini briefs at the time. Yes. Uh, thanks book. You know, you, you really, you really, you really got to like, you know, compensate for things like if someone doesn't have like a super pre uh, like, great physique you don't want to just put them in as little as possible you want to really do stuff that diverts to somebody's strengths and you know that's definitely something i did say i make no apologies about it but that's like marketing 101 and then uh albert proceeds to rip into me about questioning lance hoyt now at the time of the show like i thought i had been very respectful to lance but albert said that in talking about how the match would go and how we would go into the match and explain the match, he said that I had been incredibly disrespectful and that I had no business saying anything about the situation and that I had gravely disrespected a veteran uh, in Lance Hoyt, Lance Archer, and that I needed to like really check myself. And at that point I said, look, first of all, I didn't, I didn't say this about Yule. I'm sorry that you feel this way. Don't know why you're here. Um, but also, I'll call Lance tomorrow, and I'll apologize to him, and, and make sure I didn't overstep my boundaries, and if I did, I will apologize emphatically. And Albert was very much just like, yeah, I really, you better do that, and you tell me what he says, you know. 
And from there, Albert just goes on to torch a lot of my booking and tell me that what I'm doing creatively is garbage. And then goes on to do this thing where he basically beats me down and then starts to pitch his own ideas. <laughs> One of which is, hey, let's start a black guy stable, which is the opposite of anything that I ever really wanted to do. I think like when you look at ROH, one of the things that they continually do is, like, if they have a bunch of black guys, they stick them together. It's like, oh, here's two black guys. Let's stick them in a tag team. I never wanted to do that. I didn't want to do Nation of Domination Light. I didn't want to do any of that, you know? I, I just wanted to I wanted to just stay the course and do what I was doing. And, of course, by the time he started pitching shit, I just, like, phased him out. Was, just, this, was this just him and his buddies? The, the black guy stable? It was, it was supposed to be Ricky and yeah. Albert and Yule. Yeah, it was the black guy buddy state, yeah. uh, stable or whatever. But at this point, it became very clear to me that Albert didn't like me and that uh, there was some tension there. And, of course, this would carry on over down the line. And it's something we're probably going to revisit multiple times. But, you know, I am still very fond of Albert, and I think he is end endlessly talented. I just think that... Um, yeah, we fight with him from time to time. We do fight it, with him from time to time. It's like family. It, uh, you know, you, yeah. you you fight with your drunk uncle from yeah. time to time. So, the next day, I, I do follow through with calling Lance. And I call him, and the first thing I do is I say, Hey, man, uh, just regarding you know, that match that we ran through, you know, the audible we called, um, I want to apologize to you if I was in any way disrespectful. I am still very green and fresh in this business. And I'm learning as best as I can over time how to conduct myself in a way that is professional. And I apologize vociferously if I have offended you in any way, shape or form, or you felt like I overstepped my boundary, my boundaries uh, as a non-wrestler. And Lance goes, First of all, stop. And I go, okay. And he goes, who told you this shit? <laughs> and I said, Albert did. And so Lance responds, first of all, I've had a cup of coffee and a lot of joints. I don't need anybody to protect me. If I have a problem with somebody, I'll tell you. And if I were offended, I would have fucking called you out. And he went on to say, look, you're doing a good job. I have a blast at your shows. I have a lot of fun. Um... You know, it's not like, I, but, but, you know, I just, I want you to know that when you were there doing that yesterday and you were shooting things down, I took it as you being someone creatively who really cared about putting on the best possible show possible. And I, I really appreciated you kind of stepping up and talking to me about it. And, uh, I thought the compromise came out great. I thought the match was really good and, you know, don't worry about it, you know, and that's, that's how that ended. So, um. That was, that was, uh, that night was a great show. One of those nights where we're like, oh, wow, we can really handle anything that is thrown at us and really come out with something that is even better than we imagined or had even initially planned. But it was weird to like kind of get this earful of what people like Albert really thought of me at the time, which was that it's a shame that you're in the business. That's, that's, that was my takeaway, you know? And that is undeniable. So we move in next week to Phenomenon. <laughs> uh, Phenomenon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See you then, folks. <laughs>